When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman, and I've got a great interview lined up today because uh, I grew up, as many of you did, uh, watching Star Wars and Jurassic Park and a lot of great movies that uh, really redefined what cinema and imagination was all about. And I'm joined today by Phil Tippett, who had a very large role in all of those movies, and now he's uh, making a move into more interactive entertainment. So we're going to be talking about his new uh, Hollow Grid monster battle game that he's working on. But before we do that, first, Phil, I want to just welcome you to the channel, and thanks for uh, giving me some of your time today. I know we have some lighting issues that might come in and out in the uh, space that you're in there. Um, but uh, just you know, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Star Wars and, and what were some of the things that you worked on on those films? Uh... Well, um, previous to Star Wars, uh, uh, most of the people that I worked with uh, uh, worked at a commercial house called Cascade Pictures of California in Hollywood. And we'd always wanted to work on you know big Hollywood movies, but um, the visual effects uh, uh, divisions in a lot of those studios had been dismantled. And... Um, uh, it was really, really hard to get into the unions as well. And so what, what Lucas did was he set up ILM outside the union jurisdiction in uh, Valencia. And um, that allowed you know, a bunch of other you know, people to come on that you know, couldn't get into the unions. So um, two of my friends, Dennis Muren and Ken Ralston, uh, were hired on as uh, camera operators and they were on the night crew, and I would go by and visit them and have dinner with them and see what was going on. And uh, at some point, uh, George Lucas, uh, he wasn't satisfied with the cantina scene from Star Wars. Uh, he felt that some of the, the creatures were too, like Beatrix Potter, and he wanted more you know, alien stuff. So he uh, hired a friend of mine, uh, Rick Baker, makeup artist, and Rick agreed, uh, he was busy on another show, but Rick brought on four out-of-work stop-motion animators, you know, John Berg, Blaine Liskin, Doug Beswick, and myself. And so we ran this, this rubber shop, working over some of Rick's masks and making a bunch of other things from other designs that we had done or Ron Cobb had done. And that's, that was our introduction to George. He would uh, come in once a week and check progress. And uh, it was at that point in time that he saw a stop-motion puppet that I had built when I was much younger. And that gave him the idea to do the chess head as a stop-motion thing. Uh, so John Berg and myself had to really quickly, in a matter of um, a couple of weeks, uh, build a bunch more creatures, eight more creatures, and uh, that were articulated that we could animate and brought him to Ireland, Dennis set up the shot, and George directed, you know, what he wanted the characters to do. And that was that was our introduction. And from there, you know, we just went on to the other Star Wars movies. And I guess he did the, the At-At Walkers and all these iconic uh, scenes from these movies you had some role in, right? 
Yeah, well, I was uh, an animator on those. So I, I animated, John Berg and I animated most of those shots. And uh, we created a little character. It was kind of like a horse called the Tom-Tom that, that right. Luke and Han ride around in. So, yeah, that's, that started that. It's a pretty amazing uh, career path and, and to, to find yourself in one of these iconic films. Did you have any idea, and I'm sure you've been asked this all the time, but when you were in, in the middle of Star Wars working on these crazy scenes and doing things that really hadn't been seen in mainstream film for, for a while, did, did you have any idea it would become what it became? Well, for the first Star Wars, when, when uh, we got hired on, George uh, screened the cantina scene and the chess scene for us. And we were big fans of his already. And so it was a huge opportunity to work on a cool movie with a director that we respected. And, uh, but it didn't really completely sink in until we went to the cast and crew screening. You know, and from that opening shot, I mean, everybody was blown away. I don't think anybody really knew, uh, you know, the, the extent of, you know, uh, how wonderful that film was at the time. And I know a lot of the guys, some of the other guys, myself not included, uh, went out and bought 20th Century Fox stock. <laughs> so do you regret that decision now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, I'll tell you, you know, growing up in the, in, in the period of time when those movies were first released, it was um, just the, the impact it had on, on my generation. It was just, you know, our imaginations just exploded from what uh, you all contributed on, on these movies. And it was just, uh, I just want to thank you for, uh, for providing so much joy in our, our lives on behalf of me and my, all my friends. I, and, and you came back and, and worked on The Force Awakens and I guess continuing that chess piece set, right? Yeah, well, that kind of, in a way, loops into, uh, you know, some of the stuff we're doing for the Hollow Chess game, uh, in that I got a call from Kathy Kennedy. Uh, hey, Bill, do you, uh, we want to bring back the chess set. You know, are you in? I'm like, ah, sure. And uh, so I, I spoke with J.J. Abrams, and what he wanted was the original chess set, uh, to be recreated. We couldn't use the characters that we'd done years you know, before because they had pretty much disintegrated. They were made out of different kinds of rubber and they just had fallen apart. Uh, John Berg and I made um, uh, a little chess set plaque and put the characters on that and gave it to George as kind of a thank you gift for letting, letting us work on his picture. And he had that in his office for years. So we went out to the archives and we used a process called photogrammetry uh, which is what um, you know the hollow chess game used as well, and that is a uh, uh, a way of of capturing the image of a real object and then turning that into a computer graphic so uh, for the chess set, we filmed these disintegrating stop motion puppets, all of them about that high and uh Put them into the computer and into the computer I mean, it really was an archaeological reconstruction kind of a thing like like you know fleshing out a dinosaur uh and uh so they were they were um reconditioned and whatever was broken was fixed in the computer and then those were 3d printed out as um objects of size that the characters the size that the the chess set originally was and then molds were made from that, uh, stop-motion armatures were made, and uh, uh, rubber was cast around those. So that's how we reconstructed all of that stuff. And it's wow. very, very kind of a similar thing for um, 
for the hollow chest game in that uh, when Mike came to me, uh, he, he wanted to see if I was willing to contribute design work to, uh, to the project. And, I, and for his Kickstarter, I, I had a bunch of stuff just archived. And so we went through all that stuff I'd made, you know, 20, 30 years ago for various projects that I wanted to do. And then I've been making a series of short films called Mad God that has a number of, of characters. So we repurposed some of those for the, the Hollywood Kickstarter. And it was the same thing. We uh, photogrammatized them and got them in the computer and sent them to Mike. And then he rigged them and his animators animated. And with photogrammetry, what you get is uh, you get the actual shape of the character, you get colors and textures. So once we'd done that, my job was essentially over for that part. You know, we'll develop other creatures in the future, more specifically for the game. But on this, it was like, you know, Mike, I'm totally in as long as I don't have to know anything about playing the game and <laughs> how, how that works. So, it, yeah, it was, a, you know, that's how, it was a totally fine partnership for me. So as I understand it, this game is going to involve uh, both physical cards and your mobile phone, and you're going to uh, be able to play this game and see it play out in augmented reality on your tabletop, right? You know, if you have your iPhone, and I'm looking down at the little table that I'm sitting in front of, you can see that table on the screen. And then when you, you know, press the buttons and get the you know, app up for, for the game, a, uh, a grid... Uh, like a checkerboard type grid uh, appears locked onto the table. And then you also get um, cards that have pictures, little icons of the various characters. And each of the characters have, uh, you know, different, are different in the hierarchy and have different kinds of spells or weapons or whatnot. So you put down one of these things and bam, the creature shows up on one of the blocks. You put down another one, bam, another creature does. And once the two sides have built their armies, you know, then you engage in the gameplay and move forward and take over another person's space and breathe fire and incinerate one guy and, and you know, pick another guy up and pulverize him. <laughs> That's the game. A lot, of, a lot of the same things that that we saw in that chess piece there now, kind of brought to life on your on your phone in augmented reality. It's kind of cool. It's mixing uh, physical and and digital in into a space there, and that's uh, really really cool stuff. So so yeah, where have you, you know, you've seen this industry now for a number of years. You know, kind of transform and go from you know physical to digital to a mix of the two. And uh, you know, where, where do you see things going from here? I mean, we see this interactive medium developing. We see um, you know the Force Awakens in particular, where you really have a mix of both the digital effects with the, now they call them the practical effects. Um, you know, where do you see the industry going, uh, you know, based on where you've seen it go? Well, uh, we did a, a, a one minute long VR piece that was based on my Mad God short films. And um, uh, we were approached by a, a company that had a little bit of money and was, uh, was putting together, a, you know, like 20 or 30 different uh, VR experiences where they would go out and they would hire artists and just say, do do something, just do stuff. And uh, so, you know, that, that's what we did. It, we shot uh, some of my Mad God uh, sets, 360 degrees, and then we animated stop motion characters against green screen and then composited them in. 
And so it's a 360 degree world. So you're sur surrounded by these little deformed guys. Cool. And the, the entire experience is contingent on binaural sound, which is a 360 degree sound field. And since we don't have the, the storytelling device editing to, to move the narrative um, forward, everything, the whole, all the choreography is cued off of sound cues. So you, you break everything down into zones, northeast, southwest, above, below, and that really kind of orchestrates how, so the, the whole concept was kind of thought of as one, you know, uh, sound and image were thought of as exactly, yeah, at exactly the same time in terms of the design of the scene. Very neat. So there's a lot, of, a lot of possibilities now that all this new technology is bringing, yet you're still having to do the craft of designing these characters physically, right? Yeah, and, you know, I think everybody is saying the same thing in, in these AR, VR worlds. It, it, it's the Wild West. Nobody knows where it's going to go or right. what's going to catch. Is that exciting to you? Yeah, it is. Particularly because it's at that point right now, it's hard to get money because mm -hmm. no one knows where it's going to get going, going to go. Um, but it's also kind of like the Wild West. It's, you know, because the bureaucracy has not intervened yet. <laughs> it's so, always a great a place to be, right? World of freedom for, for, you know, creative people. And in many ways, you know, that, that kind of echoes the experience from Star Wars where George Lucas really did kind of the unthinkable, which was form his own independent entity to some extent to build, to create that movie. Is that, is, does it feel similar to that or, or, or is it, well, or is it in, something different? In my relationship with, uh, with um, RVR and uh, Mike's hollow chest thing, it's it's very much like working with Lucas. Where, in, but it's got there's even more freedom involved. I mean, George had a script and he had ideas that he wanted to do that we executed. Uh, but he was very inclusive. You know, he would say, you know, how would you do this? How would you do that? You know, oh, just make me a bunch of bunch, bunch of monsters. I, I need them in two weeks. You know, <laughs> and, and so that is a uh, uh, certainly a preferred way to work. Right. Absolutely. Because you can really exercise your creativity versus having to conform to some other person's vision. There. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how George worked on uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, he told me uh, that he wanted to make a scene that was uh, kind of like the cantina scene in Star Wars, but bigger with more stuff. So he wanted a bunch of aliens. And I hadn't, uh, the script was being written. Uh, and I just went off of what he had told me, which was, uh, which was that. So I pulled together a group of about six sculptors. And I like to work in three-dimensional uh, maquettes, small maquettes, very similar to, to the, the uh, uh, hollow chest stuff and the Star Wars chest stuff. You know, they're, very, they're little you know, characters about that big. And uh, so that's how we went about uh, you know, pulling that stuff together. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. So George, uh, you know, uh, would come in once a week, you know, like he did on, on Star Wars to check out the work. And we'd have like 10 little maquettes on the table. And he'd go, this one is going to be a singer. This one will play the piano. This one is Admiral Akbar." And so I didn't know what was in the script. It's like, who's Admiral Akbar?" And he goes like, ah, oh, he's a general. And, uh, and he goes like, so what's, you know, what, what, what do you call this thing? And I said, I, I call it a ca calamari man because uh, 
it was the design was based off of the squid. Right. And so he formulated that into, uh, you know, the Mon Calamari people or whatever. But he worked a, a lot like that. There was, uh, you know, we would we would come up with names that we called these things while we were making them. And then George would take those names and kind of put his own spin on it. It's really cool. It's neat, yeah, I can imagine just the extent of the universe that had to be built there. He couldn't keep it all, couldn't design it all himself. He really needed to do Well, what I thought it was interesting, you know, looking back on it, is he was operating in a kind of way like a documentary filmmaker or, or a child looking at, ah, oh, this is a cool toy. This is mm -hmm. a cool toy. This is really neat. Oh, I can use this for this character. And it's almost like going into it, you know, walking into a, a, an imaginary world that exists and kind of casting from from there right and really to let the create the creative people do what they do and and see how that can line up with his his story vision and it really it worked it was amazing there now i watched yeah, no, it was it was a really great time he was a really great boss it sounds like it must have been an exciting uh, period of time and it was exciting for us the viewers as we were watching those films too and we have we only have a few more minutes here but i, I did want to ask you because I, I watched an interview with you um recently and you were talking about how you started as a child doing these stop motion animations and everyone around you thought you were crazy for you know, continuing to try to make this into your career, but uh, it worked for you. So what kind of advice do you have for, for someone who's uh, hearing that now as a, as a young person who has a real passion for creativity, whether it's in what you're doing or something similar, uh, what advice do you have for them to, uh, to, to, to be able to build a career in, in doing what you're doing? Yeah, the thing is you need, you need to be committed to it and you know, uh, just do it, you know. Don't go to parties. Don't drink and smoke marijuana. <laughs> you know, <laughs> focus and and you have to breathe it. You know, you just have to you just have to live in that world of, in my case, making stuff. And you know, uh, af after a while, it becomes after a long while, it becomes a very it becomes a very intuitive process because you teach yourself how to trick yourself into thinking about things that you hadn't thought about before. But, uh, you know, the main thing is just is just sticking with it at all costs. And, and it sounds like you really enjoy the work every moment of your of your career here. Yeah, that's what I do. I like to work. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Phil, I want to really thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. And the game is called Hollow Grid Monster Battle. And we were uh, overlaying some scenes of the uh, of the video of that game as we were talking. So we'll uh, look more at it. I guess it's uh, May the 4th is the big uh, announcement date. Mm hmm. And uh, may the fourth be with you. <laughs> and uh, look oh, forward yeah. to seeing the game. And uh, okay, good luck nice in the future. With it. Thank you. <laughs> this channel is brought to you by my Patreon supporters, including gold level supporter Shabib. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash Patreon to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.